from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. Listening to live from the path. We're coming to you from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. Pathway Studios is metal. Thanks. For, I mean, that's not true. That's not the reality of it. Here's here's we got we're having a rough a rough go to to fire up the program around here. Technical difficulties uh, of which you're not aware, but I've 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 given everything away. Here's the thing that the last week's show got kicked out with uh, expediency, and I listened to it and it was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I can promise that this week. Here's what here's what we're gonna do though. So we're finally gonna catch up. Well, first we, we got to check with Dan. Dan. What, did, did you make any progress on Church in the Metaverse this week? I've, I've made some, some personal progress. Uh, I did not get to do the uh, little seminar thing because a, a different appointment ran late, but I did buy a virtual reality headset and started poking around. I think I even changed my opinion a little bit from last week. Oh, how so? Well, you know how we were making fun of the like the girls saying, "Dude, they're not really touching your boobs." Yeah, yeah. You know, I felt well, that we walked that line fairly, fairly carefully, and it, didn't it, descend into making fun of. Right, right. But it was like it's not real. Like, get over it. You know. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. But now, and I'm I'm very limited. I'm a newbie, right? But but as I jumped in to the VR world and and did a little bit of chat room and did a little you know different little things poking around, I thought, you know what. I don't care. I was I was a stick of butter, right? I was a stick of butter, and I'm running around, and people are talking, and I'm like, it was still me, right? I mean, it was still like whatever happened, even though it was not real. Like if I had a conversation, I was having a conversation with right, someone, right? You know, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe maybe I was a little too cold hearted on this poor gal who felt molested. Obviously, she was not physically touched, but she her 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 inside Essence. spirit was. Uh, um, Offended, I get, and that's not the word I was looking for. Um, violated, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so, yeah, yeah. I kind of thought, okay, I think I get, I think I'm there. I think I'm there. I, I'm more on her side than I was before. Yeah, I mean, at least there's a place. It sounds like there's a there's a place for understanding where it's coming from. Like, I think we probably healthily have to continue to draw lines to say no, it wasn't your sovereignty wasn't violated, right, in the real world, and right. and helping people manage that. But but maybe that that uh, exposure to that helps recognize what people are going through and why it feels the way it does, so that you can help them. Yeah, yeah. draw the right line. Because I tell you what, you put those goggle things on, and the music's going, and and the atmosphere. I mean, you are you feel like you are wherever you are. I I was a stick of butter today, walking around feeding ducks. Did you choose to be the stick of butter? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of all the thoughts, like were they low on options, or you thought this is me? No, I just thought I want to be a stick of butter. And, and, but then, honestly, then I, I honestly thought, you know what? I think the way some of the things people were saying to me, they probably thought I was a young kid that was a newbie, and they they were like, "Hey, I think I can take advantage of this guy." Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe I need to change my uh, my little avatar thing, so I became whatever it was, some somebody with. You know, it, like it, a Rambo. Yeah, yeah. It does kind of lean to the to the crux of of maybe the the, the major question, which is um, people's belief. Like, if you believe in freedom, then you have to also believe in the freedom of other people, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, it's it's sometimes it's hard to say I should be able to go into the metaverse, or actually even in our physical world, and I should be able to do all this stuff, or say this stuff, or act in a certain way. And it shouldn't produce any type of ill effects, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so, like, uh, the, the, and, and it's not to make light of the assault question, but more of, like, if you go into a space within the metaverse of which you are assaulted, you have the right to take off your head, your headset, like right and now, walk away. yeah, like yeah, right yeah. now, and not be there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so, like, do, should on its face, should the behavior have not occurred? Of course, it shouldn't. It's abhorrent, mm-hmm. right? But like, I, I mean, how many times have you run into that in your actual physical world where you say? Uh, this behavior is not what I want to be around. I'm just going to I'm going to leave. Right. Instead right. of saying, change what you're doing to fit what I would, what I would see as acceptable. Now, once again, if you, we're moving the assault thing aside, we're just talking about right. people's expressions of how they get to act. Right. Like, uh, and so I, it it feels like we've, especially in the physical world, have turned to a, a space where we say, um, I, I want this environment tuned to me, mm-hmm. and I will yeah. not accept anything less than that. But like for your freedoms to be that available then everybody else's freedoms have to be that available. And then what to do when they start clashing, right? Because yeah. right now, right. everyone feels like they should win. Like their opinion of what is acceptable and what is not should be the winner. Yeah. And so it, ma- it makes that conversation within uh, the, the metaverse, I think, just all the more gray. Because we haven't settled that in, in, in our current yeah. society. There, there was a, a guy uh, running around talking to people in the chat room, uh, just coming up to them saying, hey, are you offended if I use the N-word? But he didn't. He actually used the word. Yeah. And, and I thought, you know, I bet he doesn't do that in real life. Right. You, you know, he's got a little more extra uh, boldness that, uh, you know, because he can just take his headset off, too. And I thought, mm, if, if you were, like, highly offended by that, um, you, it probably would stick a little longer than just taking your headset off. Uh, that's also correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's also uh, correct. Yeah, because I, I guess either way, digitally or otherwise, there's an awareness that there was a person yeah. who was willingly... They were like, trying to hurt me. Yeah, try, right, right, right. And and even if uh, even if it can't hurt you physically, like all, uh, there's two there's two layers to it. There's a w- w- what level of offense or harassment am I having to put up with? And two, just like the revelation that there's an evil guy, like, there's just somebody yeah. trying to perpetuate intentional evil and suck mm-hmm. on somebody. Oh yeah, and think about it. Like like if you were to strip away all pretenses. And you could masquerade as a six foot tall mushroom. Your go to yeah. is being horrible. That's revealing the heart of these people. That's right, exactly. Your go to is to st- now. Here's the thing: it's like I tried on I tried on Dan's VR thing when I got here, and it had to have been a seven or eight year old kid yeah. uh, shows up, and like I, I mean, his avatar is like a baby with devil horns, and then he says, "Hey man, come here, come here." I'm like, "Okay," and he goes, "Listen, if you're new here, you're new here, right?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Okay, Dan, listen to me." If people tell you to come over and talk to them, you don't you don't do that. If they ask you to follow you into a room by themselves, you don't do that either. You need to just stay away from folks, and uh, you can talk to people, but don't don't go anywhere where they ask you and whatever. You know, and I'm like, well, I mean, you told me to come over and talk to you, and I did it, so I already kind of broke your rules, you know. <laughs> and this seven year old kid is laying out life. He's like, yeah. he goes, but I had a pretext to talk to you. I had context of which I was trying to speak with you, and they don't. They have uh-huh. bad things in mind. I'm like, wow. This seven-year-old kid runs the metaverse, and I'm, I'm like a like like three-year-old girl walking in here, and this kid's laying the law down. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I appreciate him caring enough about to tell me. Now, now, but now he, think about that though. It, the young generation, the ones that are they're you said they're running the universe, right? Yeah. So all of us old fogies that are supposed to be teaching them and showing them how to do life, we're, we don't even. It's a whole underworld that's existing that we're not even involved with. That's. Precisely why I thought I'm going to buy a set and I'm going to get in there and I'm going to start learning it because I mean I don't know if I'll do any good but but I hope I can I hope I hope 
Yeah, well, that's somewhere the along the line is 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 especially the more it's populated by by people ages from five to thirty five. What that entire world lacks is wisdom of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Any type of life experience that makes the random thoughts that want to come out of their brain, uh, whether they can be verifiable or not, you know? And, like, they don't know. They're just trying everything out. And, like, I mean, I would like, well, what, I don't know, five, ten different people swear at me and tell me I was an idiot and, like, you know, and I'm like, and I was only in there for 15 minutes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just, it's very interesting to see, like, if I was having a conversation with my, with my daughter uh, earlier this week, and she goes, it's the weirdest thing. When I play a, a, a video game, like, I can't even convince myself to be like the thief, right? It feels like, like, like one of the quests I was supposed to go on was I was supposed to kill this guy, and I'm like, I just can't do it. He seems all right. I don't even know this dude. You know, like, <laughs> what do you do to me? And I'm like, here's the thing is I felt like that when I first played Minecraft and accidentally killed a villager. And I'm like, oh, no, I killed this faceless villager. I feel horrible. Right. Like, it affected me to the point where I'm like, Ah, oh, I just feel like a part of me died a little because I killed a a non-player character that has no consequence at all, you know. And so, like the 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 funny part is, it's like they don an avatar of whatever they want to be, and then like the worst things come out of them. It's like that was that was the direction of their heart was yeah. to be foul and and like you you can't do it at school because you get in trouble. You can't do it around your parents because they'll yell at you for being mad at your sister. But if you can get into the VR world as a seven year old, start popping off nasty things and trying stuff out. Uh, that's a lot of freedom that they probably shouldn't even have. Yeah. It, it, it also kind of tells you maybe that this whole uh, idea of us just teaching niceness in school, whatever, it's not, it's not there. It's not happening. That, that we, you know, we, we don't teach Jesus because then, you know, that has this ultimate authority. Just do nice stuff. And yeah, nobody is. They're not. They're not. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I think that kind of thing is uh, Jesus wants your life. Niceness wants your attention for a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And so, you Until know. Until put the headset on, then I can go around and. Right. Yeah. Right. You're bound by the. When you're at the school, you behave how the school tells you to do, whereas you can get to go home and, and do something different. Whereas Jesus kind of says, look, I'm taking up shop. I'm, li- I'm staying in your living room and I'm with you wherever you go. Now, what are we going to do? And so it shifts. Mm hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, continued continued uh, adventures in the metaverse with Dan Hudson. Oh, yeah. yeah, I did. I did. There was a room I went into that there were like three uh, uh, floor pillows in there, and two people were sitting on them. It looked like they were praying. And I oh. walked in. This is like I, my first time, so I really didn't know what I was doing yet. And and the guy said, "Have a seat." And I thought, I don't know what they're doing. Are they meditating? Are they? Were, he had his hands together. They like had a little prayer thing. Yeah. And I thought maybe maybe that's maybe there's hope for something. If if that was a positive, it could have been like a total cult thing too. I don't know. But um, ah, that's that's my goal. I, I'd like to figure out how to get some light into that world. So, all right, all right. We're gonna keep checking up with Dan as he as he makes his way into the metaverse. <laughs> All right. So, Is that actually, the metaverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the meta. What What do you mean? Is it actually the metaverse? Yeah. Okay. Aren't there other like uh, distributors of uh, alternate uh, virtual realities other than the meta? Yeah, and I and I don't I I think well and meta the way they're describing it is not as if they're the only people that get to contribute to it. They're like the whole world should contribute to the metaverse. And uh, the, and they're just they're just the people founding it and wanting people to join in, oh, and so yeah, yeah. as yeah so I, I mean there's third party like availability right you can download apps or whatever and get in things and, yeah they have a bunch of apps that you yeah and I assume that's third party hmm. people develop and and you can buy them or get the free ones or whatever you know and uh, hmm. anyway yeah metaverse metaverse with Dan we'll check in weekly yeah yeah okay this seems all right Dan you feel like you might you might need a buddy. 
Might yeah. need to go go in with somebody holding your hand or something. Uh, maybe maybe I, so. I, I just I yeah. The first couple three times I didn't say a word. I just kind of walked around like a creeper. And this time, this Classic. last time, I actually spoke to people. You mean a seven year old? That's what I meant. You need to find a seven year old to help you. Yeah, who who know their way? They know their way. Now I'll tell you this uh, before we get off the topic completely. I was I also tried it when I came in here, and I could I feel like I assaulted somebody. Yeah, like completely unintentionally because I don't even like I was walking around like a real noob. Yeah, and uh, I, I thought I was turning around and some something man lady I'm not sure but I ran indirectly into them and they didn't they didn't mention it and I yeah. thought I no joke because of the conversation we had last week about like a half a second I thought oh no what have I done <laughs> I have, yeah I've touched I've gone on and, and, and assaulted somebody and with no intent anyway I worried about it yeah and so we we were trailing this from last week the statistic was 75% of kids left the church from ages 18 to 29 so I guess off the bat does that ring right in your experience? I think so. Mike, you say 75% of kids 18 to 29 are, are gone. They were in the church and then they walk. They walk. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know what age I think they start turning around. I think it's it's about when they start having families. And like uh, the previous two generations are having families later than the generations before it. And so I think that age has gotten pushed out a little bit. But uh, yeah, I would say so. I think that seems pretty accurate to me. Dan, what about you? <clears throat> I, I that seventy five percent leave the church. Um, I, that's not. I haven't like you know written down names and 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 did the statistics, but but gosh, that seems really high to me. Um, uh, I tend to be over optimistic. I'd say maybe thirty thirty five percent, but then it could be because some of the kids. Like I never figured we're in anyway, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm like, well, it's not like they left; they weren't in. You, you know, they they came because they were forced. Right, their parents were um, coming; they had to go to the thing, and and there were some maybe who fake it better. Those are probably the thirty thirty percent or so that I go, oh man, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Uh, adults, you know, adults are there voluntarily. Yeah, saying that well, that that kid came to church for ten years doesn't necessarily mean at all that they had a relationship with Jesus or that they weren't coming just because their mom and dad made them. Right, and and then they they fought all the way there and they fought going. They didn't want to go, you know. And it was a yeah. big family feud and and peace happened when they went their separate ways. Mm. Yeah. Okay, all right. So that's a good thought. So Dan says maybe maybe a third third a little bit higher. This article says seventy five percent. So. The question is, and this was a point Nathaniel had made, a lot of time we spend going, well, what caused the 75% to leave? And so there's some focus on that. This, this infographic tried to focus on what causes kids to stay of the 25% that stay, or maybe the higher number from what Dan's experience has been, why 25% had stayed connected with Christ from uh, ages 18 to 29 and offered five different uh, uh, behaviors mm-hmm. or situations. So let's, let's hit them up. First one. Um, eight dinner, five of seven nights a week as a family. Family dinner time caused kids to stay connected with Jesus. Yeah, I yeah. think that's I think that's big. Yeah, are you guys doing this? You family feel like values. you're knocking this out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, here's the thing: especially once your kids' lives get busy, uh-huh. um, especially with extracurricular activities and sports and all that kind of jazz. Yep. Um, they're they're their influence starts to be they spend more time away from you than they do with you 
right? They spend time getting influence from people around them and uh, other parts of society, and that's they have to do that. You have to get your kids out living in the world, but um, they have to be brought back to reality, and you have to help them get there. I, I, I'm the better for eating with my family five to seven nights a week, yeah. right? I'm the better for sitting down and having dinner with my wife instead of eating in my truck on the drive home. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's a, a sense of community that doesn't move, uh, a community that you can count on, and a community that doesn't change things. If a society is known for anything, it changes the way it views everything in a big old cyclical ma- you know, matter where things can be rehashed and turned over, and all of a sudden the way we thought about something 10 years ago is not the way we think about it now. And um, Jesus doesn't work that way, and your family probably can't either, right? Because otherwise they can't count on you, right? If, if you are not dependable, this is why, you know, uh, single single parent homes or – um, you know, situations where kids have run into, um, you know, addiction within their family that they can't count on their parents, right? They just, that it's that's why it's hard on them is because they got nothing they can count on yeah. and nothing that's going to be there consistently. And so, like, even if you're, even if two of those meals are at the Wendy's, uh, even if you're eating it in the drive-thru on the drive home, you're all still eating together. You're all still talking yeah. and having a conversation about how the day went and whatever and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I think that's really important. I think that part of the key there, too, is probably the more you talk about what your values are and why you have them is more helpful than just talking about the weather, too. I mean, you talk about the weather, too, but um, it seems to me that, that when you're talking about why we have our faith, why we serve, you know, why we think and do the things we do, um, that that's helpful because then it helps kids process it better rather than just, well, you do this. Right. You know, you go to church. Why? Because I said so. That doesn't really yeah. catch anybody. You yeah. know? Right. You're building out the world as opposed to just imposing the world. Yeah. And you're helping kids interpret things that they agree that they're seeing as opposed to just trying to control which glasses they have on. Yeah. And and I, I agree. I think that's super important. We, we, we gave our kids, like, full permission to ask us why on um, you know if there was something they thought that was just dumb because kids they'll think you're just, you're just dumb it's like well, yeah I'll, i'd be happy to tell you why and we'd have great ex- conversations and explanations and 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 I, I didn't think about it at the time i just thought that's what you should do you know and like later on both of them were like we we're so glad you did that because then they got into college and and they were like their friends had no idea why they did things and right they they, they could say well because blah 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 you know they they it was just natural to them they knew why and uh, that was pretty key for them anyway Yep. Plus, it, it, I mean, having those conversations, what, one, it requires conversations. No one's going to sit and stare at each other every, for five out of seven nights, right? Yeah. And so you get used to talking about smaller details of yeah. your life. Like, uh, what do you do about that kid at school who's just causing you all kinds of ruckus? What's the right way to look at that, mm-hmm. you know, opposed to your friends are like, screw that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and yeah. so, like, it, you, can, you can help look at, teach. That's how you teach how to deal with. Uh, life in general, like how do we handle situations like this? Uh, like, and you can bring up comparisons to how you did it at work or something. Yep. Like, uh, there's just all kinds of value in there. Yeah, agreed. All right, Nathaniel, dinner, dinner every night. Yeah, five I mean, out of seven. Well, yeah, the uh, my five and four year old can't find dinner anywhere else other than my house. So <laughs> kind of stuck right now. That's really easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got now on. we talked about uh, what flavor God is. <laughs> what was the answer? Well. <laughs> we were listening to the song. My son loves the song "The Blessing." Yeah, and where that's says, an epic tune for a kid his age. Yeah, he loves yeah. it. <laughs> he loves he, he loves it, and it says, uh, "May his favor be upon you." Uh-huh. And so I was making a funny, and I said, "What do you think his flavor is?" 
<laughs> and my son said, it's probably lemon lime because <laughs> because he's like, shines bright. Uh, and I said, I think it's blue raspberry. And he said, maybe because he wipes away your blue tears. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. You have a little tear go down your cheek. That kid's going to write heartbreaking poetry one day. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> and then he said, and he started quoting, he's like, it's like the Bible, my, my, my Bible memory verse. And then he just made something up. <laughs> it wasn't a legit memory verse. No, and I said, that's not in the Bible, man. I mean, it's, and he said, yeah, but it sounds good. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. We, can, we can't make up our own memory verse. That's it. He's, in, he's got to do dinner nine times a week. Yeah. Get this, get this reined in. All right, uh, so that was number one. Number two was serve with their families in a ministry. Yeah. And with the emphasis of with as opposed to um, either on their own or your families served in ministry. Serving with, why is that important? I think it lends legitimacy to what you're doing. Like if, 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 if you're, as a parent, if you're serving the church just looks to your kids like you're just not there. Right, it's just another reason for you not to be with them or spending time with your family. Um, that can create a lot of issues, right? Like, and we talked about that. Was that pastor man a couple three weeks ago that we were talking about, where he says we basically came down to he said like, don't sacrifice your family on the altar of the church, right? And so like he he didn't spend uh, the right amount of time uh, balancing his family life with the thing that God has called him to, um, and so. Yeah, I think it can create a lot of a lot of resentment, a lot of holes. And like as a parent, I know I felt that. Like when, when we used to go to church and and have to get up early to play in the band or something, and like my family wouldn't show up till like two hours later, and then I don't get to drive home with them in the car. And you're like, it sounds so silly, but like I love that time. I love the time being in the car with them on the way up. I love yeah. being in the car with them on the way home. And you know, and so like. If you're just out there studying it, you know, and you're, you're, my wife and kids are driving home on their own and I'm right behind them driving by myself, I don't know. Like, it just seems like it's such a, a, a missed opportunity to be around your family and talk about how it went or what happened, what went good, what went bad. And, uh, yeah, I, I think if they start to see that, like, you're always serving the church, um, which is a good thing, but you're never inviting them to do it with you, then all they do is see it as another reason you're not there. You're, they already have work that calls you away or other social obligations, and so it's just one more thing on the pile. And I think it also helps instill, at, a, at least uh, at a younger age, to have less of a, in some capacity, less of an inward focus and more of an outward focus to service. Like, mm-hmm. if all they do is see you serving other people, then and they're not ever serving anyone else, and they don't have that experience of of looking outwards towards uh, serving other people. Yeah, right, because otherwise they're just another group of people you're serving, yeah. even yeah. as a parent. <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, well, plus it's, it's just a normal thing in life to say, look, if I want my kid to have experience doing this, I'm going to take them along with me to go pick it up. It's, it's like you're running an apprenticeship. Yeah, 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 and like, and it, it starts. Frankly, I think it starts to help them to see people differently. Um, their their relationships are, you know, a, a kid to adult especially can be shallow. But like, if you're in the process of, you get to be able to serve people. Like, it's one step deeper than, hey, how's it going? That you can get to know people, so it kind of broadens the span of of people that you're willing to interact with, and allows them to uh, creates good good relationships and. Tell, helps them figure out how to talk to people of different age ranges and different circumstances or whatever. Um, and I, frankly, I think uh, it, they get to see you in a different light as a parent. Because they, whenever, whatever capacity that you are in 
it, I think some of Mike, what you were getting at is that where it feels like they are, if you're gone, you're just gone from them. Anytime you're, let's say you're serving at your own house, like it feels like, well, that's the responsibility as a parent. They're supposed to do that. But to see that same thing done outside of your home in a different context with different people, I think, frankly, allows your kids to see you differently. It humanizes a little bit of your relationship, and I think they start to appreciate it later on. And I think they get to see the fruit of of what you're doing. You know, like um, I know um, our kids bring this up, but like like, uh, somebody's parent – had had a heart attack and, and was in the hospital and they wanted to go see their parent but they their vein was in the shop or something and like we found out about it and my wife turns around and goes hey someone needs our van and we just put like it was valentine's day and there was candy and candles and we were doing it upright you know and the food had just become ready and and my wife got this phone call and she goes hey someone needs our van i feel like we got some jesus stuff to do this dinner's gonna have to hold and the kids are like yes yes and they still bring it up to this day. It's like if my whole life could be that, yeah. then that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to do. I want to be able to do that because you got to. You, you just got up and you did a thing and you got to be generous and everybody piled in one car on the way home after we dropped ours off and like no one complained about the cold dinner. No one complained because the candles. You know we had to blow them all out and then light them all back up again. And like, but months later they're still like. I wish we could do that kind of thing every day. That's what I want to do with my life. And I'm like, that's the stuff that, that they get to learn and see the output of, of having a servant's attitude towards other people. And if, like, you don't give them the privilege of that, you're kind of robbing them of something very cool. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, they're, and maybe that's a, a key thing is that, like, wherever it is that you may feel like your kids would hinder your ability to serve, um, I, I guarantee it's the opposite that will happen. Now, it'll make some physical things a little bit more difficult certainly at times we in fact we were we helped um some neighbors of ours over the weekend where the tornadoes had come through um within a mile or so of where we lived um you know there's it's a farm it's farm country and so the the roof blew off these people's houses and it blew into a field that the our neighbor was is farms and like you can't just run the combine whatever through there and dig the place up like you'll ruin the super expensive machinery hitting shingles and rafters and all kinds of jazz, and it was like forty acres. And so, um, you know, he he had started. There's no other way to do this. Like, if all the things we've got machinery for, like you can't just vacuum a field. Yeah. And so he's out like walking it, like walking up and down, and like this was it taking forever. And so he, you know, he asked, you know, can somebody people come out and help? And so we we went out to help. And for the first half of the day. It was just my wife and I, and then we brought the kids, and we're like, I know they're probably not going to be as much of a help, but, like, we want them to come out and do something. And so, like, the, the three-year-old's out there picking up garbage, and, like, the six-year-old's a rock star. She's, she's awesome. And and, uh, and my oldest, and actually the two older girls both did a really good job. And, um, and so it, it was just the ability to, to be part of something um, of which, like, you felt I don't know, like you felt like you accomplished a, a lot of things. We're praying for people and, and things like that. And it doesn't feel, sometimes it doesn't feel super tangible, but to be able to walk a field, pick up like act of God refuse out of there and, and be part of cleaning it all up. And like, all the, there were some older, older grand, grandparentish um, age folks running machines and stuff. And like, they're just jazz. They love it. They love to see, oh, I love to see the kids out here picking up or whatever. And so like, Yes, it was more difficult trying to keep an eye on the the three year old to make sure he didn't get in front of the, the the skid loader or something. But like, 
we got more out of it. They did some work and they did a good job, but like it brought joy to people that were around them and they got to be part of something tangible that got to help people. And we, I mean, frankly, that would have been a disaster for our neighbor. His life is much better for yeah. people who haven't shown up. And yeah. so, yeah, agreed. Uh, and, but I think that width is important. Um, don't just send them out there on their own, although there's going to be an, an element of this here coming up in the next one. Um, Doing it with you, I think, builds all kinds of good relationships with you, with other people. It, it's, it opens up their world in a good way that you can yeah. help show them. Think, think about it. There is a couple possibilities of how families might approach uh, their relationship with their children and the church. Uh, there is the, the family that, that gets in the car and drives home, and the whole time they're talking about, well, Sally didn't talk to me, and I didn't like, did you, did you see what that person was wearing? And the preacher's sermon was really just boring today and long, and, and I hate that one song. Why did they? Why is it too loud? You, you know, it's yeah. all a, a bunch of complaints and and, and being critical. Uh, that that does not, you know, who, who wants to grow up and keep doing that? I right. mean, it's like, it right. sounds horrible. Or you're going home and, and, and you're like, hey, we're going to the Sally's tonight because uh, her pipe busted, and we're going to go help her clean up the basement or you know you know whatever yep uh or we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna serve donuts uh this sunday at, at church uh, and you get to see all the people and help them pick donuts out you know you can have some fun with it yep uh, it, it's a completely different way of of uh, how you approach church and and you're teaching your children by what you're doing so i, I love i love the idea of serving uh we, we always encourage our families to, to serve together in in some type of ministry yeah all right, right on. Number three was, had one spiritual experience in the home during the week. I assume this means, like, prayed together. That's the one that's so vague. Yeah, it's scripture like, together. I don't... How do you not have spiritual experiences? I don't... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean... I mean, here's the thing. This is where this is where church, the idea of church or the idea of a youth group, uh, it will fail uh-huh. if you are not yeah. reinforcing that at home. Like, I mean, there's just no possible way here's the thing it's like kids kids grab validity through uh consistent uh offerings and consistent seeing that it's true right so like because the same thing we're fighting culture against where we say look just because some wackadoo friend of yours said that this is the deal right like it doesn't mean you just believe it hook line and singer but if if your youth leader is the only person saying this and this about jesus and it's not being mirrored at your house at all Mm -hmm. now the youth leader is the wackadoo or if you or if you don't allow your kids to join any other type of spiritual community, and it's just your house, uh, then you're the wackadoo, right? And so, like, it it really does help to have um, spiritual spiritual connection points, especially at, at home, because once again, when your your pastor is going to say, you know, when you're praying this week or when you're reading your Bible this week, think about X X X and whatever, and they're like, I don't do that. I, I don't I don't I don't read the Bible by myself. You know what I'm saying? I don't go home and read the thing and my family doesn't talk about it and we don't talk about at dinner time, you know, what Jesus was doing during the day for for our interactions with our friends. And so if you're not doing that, then yeah, you're introducing a a, a nut job, right? You're you're counting on spiritual authority or people who are preaching and teaching um to to grab a weight that like your kids aren't even thinking about picking up because it doesn't make any consistent sense to them. Yeah, you're teaching them to compartmentalize their faith. You know, Sunday's church time, spiritual time, and the rest is free time right? Mm-hmm. and work time or whatever. And yeah, that that's not a healthy... I have to remind myself sometimes that, that people don't do do live that way, though. I mean, or they wouldn't be saying that. <laughs> oh, and here's the thing is, like, I, there's, nothing sounds more crazy to me. 
Yeah. Like what? Like like why you would you would put all this effort into getting up on your on your your only day off and rolling in here and listening to a guy you tell you about a thing that you don't care about and have no plans to implement only so you can be part of a, a church culture and then leave and then not enjoy any of the fruits or the joy of knowing who Jesus is and the grace of walking around knowing that you have a God and King that loves you and you're like why what are you even doing here Yeah yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know if there was ever an ambulance or an emergency vehicle that we didn't pray for, you know, or an airplane. Like, well, just pray that that engine keeps going, you know, and they land well and, you know, whatever. Just just, just being alert while yep. you're driving, praying for people. Or we'd stop and say, well, look at that. Let's pray for those people um, we, we, by ourselves. We didn't go stop them. Um, or, or praying for meals or, or talking about Scripture or... Um, praying for their friends, music. like sitting yeah. down and praying for their friends by name, uh, right? That means a lot. That means absolutely. a lot to them. We did devotions all the time. Like, I mean, you know, they might have been simple but as you were young, but then they we kind of trusted them on their own later. But uh, we built that foundation so that every night there was prayer time and Bible time. And um, yeah, the whole, the whole bringing up of the kids with a spiritual experience. So, And once again, like if... If you're not going to teach them how to do this, who is? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, your preacher teacher man, his job is to is to is to parlay truths out of the Bible, and yours is to show how they implement in individual lives, and how do we handle these and these things throughout what's going as you grow up and that kind of thing. And so, like um, you are, yeah, you're really abdicating that uh, to either being considered not legitimate, or when they leave your house, they don't actually know how to do it, and so they just go well. I guess I'm just going to sail, and right. we'll see how this goes. Yeah. All right, number four was kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a blend of a few of them. So it was entrusted with responsibility in ministry at an early age. So if number two was, you know, you're going to serve with your family in ministry, number four was you entrust them with a responsibility Actual in ministry responsibility, at an early age. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to being an event, you know, hey, yeah. break the neighbor's house. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's not just not just a job title at the church, yeah. right? Like you're the guy that sweeps up after everybody or something. Not that, but like you have an active role in ministry where you are displaying the heart of Christ to other people on your own, right? Like not without any support, but obviously not holding your hand either, right? Like you start to because once again, I mean, you you're on you're on the hook for doing this on your own. Yeah. You're on the hook for following Jesus on your own, and like. Our job is to teach you how to do that, and the wiser we get as parents, the older that we get, the more we've seen our own our own screw ups and failures. And then, like you, partake that and take that wisdom and put it onto your kids and say, "Well, here's been my experience with this. Here's where I fouled it up when I was your age, and so I can kind of, you know, suggest that maybe you go this other route." But like, yeah, the whole goal is to get them standing on their own two feet. Well, yeah, because I mean, like every kid that like as you grow up, you're gonna meet the moment when. You move out of your parents' house or go off, you know, go on campus to live for college or something like that, and you're going to get all settled in and you're going to sit on the edge of your chair and you have, you get a choice to make with your this newfound freedom. You get to say, "Hey, man, do I do I eat eat well tonight, like I know that I should and that I've been doing for quite a while, or do I just go buy a mess of fudge rounds in my freedom yeah. and fudge round it up?" All night because I can. Fudge rounds are good, and like, like everybody has a has a has moments like that, and and where you are more grounded in 
right behavior that you not only saw at home, but you saw in other people and that you participated in. Like you cooked the dinner uh, that had the broccoli in it and stuff like that. And you've been doing it for years. Once you get to college, it's not like you have to start over to learn to do the good things. Yeah. You know how to do the good things. It's a continuation of good things. I, I, I think we put such an undue pressure on kids to come up through the church to get kid-level theology stuff, understanding of the world. And then, I mean, think of all the... Most of these kids are going through much heavier stuff than I'm currently going through. My life is leveled right. out for the most part. I might be giving advice and, and, and trying to talk and pray and deal with like different things... In people's existence, and they get messy as you get older. And as your Dan has, you know, seen a, a fair share of it. But like the the weight of which you feel it, and like the complications that used to just happen to like forty year old parents are happening to like sixteen year old kids. And so, like for all those things happening and to wear heavy, uh, boy, we're just doing a, a disservice to 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 not hand them off into a prepared world where they've had a chance to practice living in a complicated life. And so I, I think this one is important in that, you know, it's, it's, I, we expect their faith to hold them up, but my goodness, can't we give them a chance to, to try that while we still got a hold of their hands? Mm, yeah. uh, and, and to give them, and not just say, well, I'm going to do it for them, or not even just say they will only do it with me, but like to give your kids some level of responsibility at home or within a ministry by the time that they're 15 or 16, like... When they're 18, they could go do it on their own. They don't have to have you. They've practiced, they've learned, they've cried, they've asked the questions, and they've kind of worked through it while you're there to help. Like, it just makes, it makes all kinds of sense. I just don't, I don't know what holds folks back. Like, they feel like maybe the kids aren't ready, but they're not ready because we're not helping them be ready. Yeah, and, I, and actually, I mean, I can attest to this list being true, right? I left the church when I was 18, 17, 18, or whatever, and I... I don't think I came back till I was 25, 26, you know, and like uh, of the five of the four things that we've talked about so far, none of those were true for me. Yeah, yeah. None of them. So, uh, you know, I mean, I can't say that that proves the point in uh, in its absence, um, but I can say it's true for me so far. Hmm. All right, number five, final one, unless, uh, I know, these all sniffing right, Nathaniel, from your perspective? I don't know. Like, I, I can say that I didn't leave the church and all these were true for me. Yeah. But, like, I also have siblings that have left the church, and I would say that in a large part, maybe they were missing one, yeah. maybe two, but, they had. I mean, they had similar things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I suppose it can't be like this is a formula, right? Put in X, X, right. and X, and blah, blah, blah. But I suppose if their goal is to say, instead of saying – the 75% left, why? And we're saying, what are some common characteristics that float to the top? And I mean, are you still going to have like these, these folks that are, that are sucked in by the world and, and you know, get confused and decide they're going to haul off the other direction for a while? Yeah, you're probably still going to have that. Yeah. Um, free choice looks that way, and it kind of sucks. You know, but like, just because um, you, can't, you can't basically throw your laundry into the, in the washing machine throw some spaghetti sauce in there, and then be upset that it came out dirtier than it was when it went in. So, like, having an inkling of how it is supposed to be done and, and at least a guide path on how to do it correctly uh, is probably better than going, I don't care, it's just up to the whiz-bang mystics on whether a kid decides to follow Jesus once they leave this church or not. Right, right. Uh, so, so we'll tuck the list up. Number five, this was a uh, reason why 25% of uh, 18 to 29-year-olds stayed 
in their relationship with Jesus. Um, the last one was having an adult or had at least one faith-focused adult in their lives other than their parents. Yeah. Why is that important? Uh, well, well, one, it goes back to that validity thing that we talked about earlier, um, where, like, once again, if you have just one spiritual thing going on in their lives or one person that's doing this, you've set up a wackadoo, yeah. right? And that's it's it's just no good. It's no good. I, I would Here's the thing is I wouldn't believe it. I believe Jesus is true because I've seen him not only work in my life but in people around me. If he just worked in my life, I could convince myself that uh, I'm making it up because no one else is finding this to be true. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, um, if, if, if I call my neighbor and say, man, it's really, it's really raining here, and he goes, well, it's not raining here at all, then my mind starts to go, well, I have a leaky pipe then, right? I start to think the thing that I believe to be true, uh, and it turns out that it's not happening to anybody else, well, then obviously I have a different situation going on. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's really important. On top of the fact is like uh, as your kids age, I would say especially around 15, 16, 17, um, they, need to be ta- they need to have someone that they can talk to uh, about issues with you. About you, yeah, about you, yeah, right. Like there's there's a there's a push pull as your as your kids get older, and and we're preparing them to go out and be on their own, which means they're going to have some uh, some opinions on things that you're not going to see completely eye to eye on. And most of them, like if we're agreeing on Jesus, these are form and function things, right? And you had complete control of that, and you're learning to let go while they're learning to pick it up, and they need to be able to talk to somebody uh, about the struggle in the middle. And I think that's completely valid and fair. And you as a parent have to start. Uh, taking a big deep breath, and hopefully they pick somebody that you could both agree is a pretty good person to have good counsel with. But like, yeah, they get to say, "I feel like my dad's overreacting," and uh, their counsel person gets to go, "Your dad is overreacting." But let's have some grace for him. You know who he is, and and we we make some mistakes. You've overreacted before, right? So your dad's a fallible human, which you realize more as you get older. And so they need to be able to t- talk to somebody about that. And and I think that's completely legitimate. Yeah, yeah. I, I think as 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 people's worlds, as your kids' worlds gets get bigger, they start to check whether you sold them a bill of goods on it. And so, the more that you're what you tried to teach them is reinforced by people around them, um, the, the better shape you're going to be in. And so, having people that they can be close to, people that would otherwise say without agreeing with you holistic, like on absolutely everything, um, but who would affirm that, hey, man, your your parents weren't just trying to get you to to lean into this thing and know it. Um, because it, it helped them control you. Um, it's a real thing. It's a true thing. Here's my life. I'm, I committed my life to it. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, valid, it's a valid witness and, and I think provides that support structure that you were talking about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That's the five. That's, can, how, that's how you keep them in. Can you think of any that we should add, that, that you could add to that list? <clears throat> I mean, I would say, and maybe this goes to the one that said about the spiritual doing the spiritual thing in your house. Um, and maybe I think it ties together a bunch of principles, but like, I, I mean, I would, I would have my kids start to learn to, 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 to read the scriptures um, and to pray and to like lead in, in prayer again. And with the chance to, to, to actually do it on their own without just be ending up in the dorm room and saying, all right, well now that's the first time I got to, re- my dad always read the Bible to me. And now here I am. Well, Genesis one, I guess like, Without otherwise trying to make them be adults when they're not ready, like when when mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I have been talking about this because like you know as your kids start to get older, I want to see them do things that maybe you know, uh, good patterns in life. But like I mean, I I just I found those some of those patterns super valuable, but it's been within the last five ten years. 
And so trying to overforce that pattern upon a kid that's 16 who, or 15 or whatever who doesn't – like there's just not enough life for them to have grabbed onto some of this stuff and go, I, I super know why this is important. Like they're still doing things because you tell them to do them, and that's great that they trust you. But like um, without forcing it on them um, – I, I do and making them live like whatever you've learned over the last twenty years, trying to make them live it and learn it <laughs> like within their fifteen. But like having them practice that and walk through what it looks like that make in a way that makes sense for them. Again, I, I just makes sense to, to to give them a shot at what their life should probably look like within the next few years. Let them try it out while they're home and guide yeah. them and lead them in it. And what do I do when I have questions? Or what do I do if I thought this was boring? Or what do I do if, like, I can't think of anything to pray about and I just want it to be over so I can go do something else? Like, okay, great. Let's let's speech on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some maybe some of those, um, I hate to say spiritual disciplines because it, it, it sounds harsher than it is, but, like, things like that um, outside of just does our family do it and outside of service and ministry, I think maybe what does it look like for them to to develop a personal relationship that's outside of things that we're guiding? Yeah, yeah. I, I think... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, like, developing the habit of not just, like, maybe reading the Bible, but, like, thinking critically about what you're reading on your own. Yeah. And then also having that person that's not your parents to come to and say, hey, uh, I was reading this, what do you think? Because I can remember several times, like... Maybe this is the difference. I don't know, but like I, my parents, I asked for it, but they back when iPods were new. Yeah, they had this like they they sold this iPod that all it had on it was the Bible. Oh yeah, because I hate reading. Yeah. And I said, hey, I want that, and because my parents love Jesus, they said, sure thing. Yeah, we'll do it. So like I would I would just listen to the Bible at night, and uh, there were like several times where I'd be like, okay. Uh, this is uh, this is a gotcha verse. This is this is all <laughs> fake, and uh, I br- would like bring it up to Dan or whatever, and I'd be like, "Hey, what do you think about this preacher man?" <laughs> yeah, and he'd be like, "You're being a doofus," you know. This is, this is, like explain it, and it's like, "Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense." <laughs> of course, you would say that, <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> yeah, you're you one of them, ain't you? <laughs> you earned your twenty eight fifty this week, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, just having that ability, like, th- like look at things critically. Uh, and then if you have legitimate questions, bring them up to people yeah. that aren't your parents. Yeah. I think I think that the peer development is critical, too. Like, whether it's, you know, the youth group experience, uh, the camp experience, Christian camp experience, the uh, retreats and stuff that you do, where you're, you're also journeying, going on this journey with people your own age that are going mm-hmm. through the same thing. Uh, and you can't rely fully on that, but 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 boy, it sure is helpful if you have friends that are like when all your other friends at school are experimenting with all the things that you have friends going, yeah, we're just not really going to do that, you right. know, and 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 it's like okay, we can be cool and and not do that. It's good. It's good to have that. Yeah, uh, for your for your children, uh, definitely as well. Yeah, I had. Uh, in fact, I was at uh, was at church this weekend. And I was trying to convince my one of my kids to go do something, and they were just giving me the sass back. They're like, "No, I don't. I don't think we should do that." I'm like, "Yeah, you definitely need to go do that. Now go do it." I just don't know, blah blah blah. And and one of their friends was in the room and looks over at this kid and goes, "Hey, you, you, how about you just say yes, sir?" I'm like, "Who's this kid? <laughs> I like this. That's one. ten bucks. I'll pay it directly. <laughs> That's some sweet medicine over to you. Say it again, friend." Yes, sir. What a, what brilliance! <laughs> My kid looks like looks at me and goes, "Yeah, right. Who would ever do that?" I'm like, "They would do that." Now get out here, do the thing I said. <laughs> but like, I thought, boy, I'm just glad they got. To, I like these friends. 
<laughs> and, and honestly, I, I think this that nobody can do this like the smaller church. You know, yeah. I, the larger the church becomes, it, it's. I, I, when I was in high school, I attended a big old mega church, and and I just didn't I didn't connect at all with the, with the kids. I was just like everything was a big thing, and I, th- I just it turned me off. I was like, hey, whatever. And I was talking to someone like within the last two weeks, they had moved here from New Mexico, and they were at a larger church then, and they were like, do we want to? They they've been really liking it here, um, and I know I had mentioned somewhere in there, like you know. Uh, uh, regular attendance, that definition has changed over the years. It used to be like every week, then it was like every other week, then it's like once every six weeks. And the mom was like, there, that's that's it. Like the church they had been to before was very large, and they wanted their children to make friends, but those people that he'd go to Sunday school with were only there once every six weeks, so he never met anybody. Like, like he, <laughs> right. they were, It was a strange new group every week. you know. So there was a lot of them. And it was, you know, they thought that was good, but then they're like, there was no relationship built. Right. And, and I'm not trying to slam the big church. I'm just saying I think it's easier for the smaller church because generally it's a core of people that are in, you know, yeah. and, and they're, they're, they're growing together. In, in Atlantic 100 years ago, we had a group of kids in elementary school. The parents got together and said, we're going to call this, we're going to get this group. We're gonna, it was beyond youth group, beyond everything the church was doing. It was just a parent-run thing. They called it the God Squad. And like once a month, they just did fun stuff. And, and it was kind of cool to see those kids grow for over a number of years. They, they're still close friends. They're, they're all in their 30s now. Yeah. Um, and it was just because the, the parents saw the value of them developing those relationships. So. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true, too. I, I, th- I think if I would add something to the list, um, I, I, I just have this thing in mind where I'm like, um, our job is to make disciples and send them out into the world, though. So, like, if you get an opportunity to, like, when you're having some conversations with some people, you know the ones they don't belong in, but there's there's ones they can be in, right? There's ones that they can be a part of and just sit there and listen to you talk to somebody else about Jesus. And, like, shielding, you just got to be careful not to shield um, them completely from the harsher things that, that go on. And the harsher things, because Jesus belongs there just as much as he belongs in the, here's our praise for the week, you know? And so, like, if, I think if I had to, if I had to give any advice that I would add to that, I would, like, just be honest with your kids about what's going on to the level appropriate of whatever age they are. But, like, especially the older they, they get, tell them what you're thinking. Tell them where you're struggling with what God's going on, got going on, or like you don't quite know what to do, and you're praying on it, and God hasn't answered, and that's okay. But I'm struggling with His non-answer on this thing, right? Yeah. I think all that stuff is 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 okay, because eventually, like you want them to be having that same conversation with five other people, and those five other people having that conversation with five people of their own. Like that's the whole point is to get people to know who this Jesus is, not to create. A good church attender, <laughs> you right, know what I'm saying? Right, right, yeah. And so, like, and I'm not saying that list was pointing to that, but like, um, we can teach kids to show up at church, and we can teach them to show up at youth group, and like fit this pattern. But like, um, we're we're missing what the end goal is. The end goal is like we know a thing, we know a thing, and and and, and a guy, and his name is Jesus, and like we really want other people to know that. And so, like, it's they do need a little bit of practice on what it looks like to tell a hard thing to somebody and yeah. say, hey, man, you're stepping outside of where God's got you, and um, you're going to feel that. And that's that's what this feels like. That's what you're going through. And, like, 
if they don't ever go through the experience of either you telling them that or you or listening to you tell somebody else that, um, they're, they're too scared to do it, right? They feel like it wasn't, wasn't necessary. And even when they're feeling pulled, they're like, hey, man, sin is causing all this issue. They're like, but I, I just didn't know. Like, that's the kind of stuff we say to people. I mean, it is if you love them. So, like, if you get a chance to involve your kids in having conversations like that, um, I'd, I'd let them. Or at least tell them about it afterwards. Here's what I said to them. You know, teach them about confidence and or, or doing things in confidence. Like, I'm going to tell you what so-and-so and I were talking about, but you have to realize this is why I'm telling you, and it's not for anybody else to know, but here's this, right? Like, I don't know. I, I found it's been really helpful with my kids. Like, I'm very honest with them about some really, really crappy things. And, like, because of that, um, I have a giant group of youth group kids come over to our house on Thursdays, and they talk about all the things that, like, they haven't told their parents, and my kids go... Well, we just tell my parents, right? Like, right. so like we get to have that conversation, even if it's crappy, because they know that we're going to have crappy conversations and good ones too. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I would I really encourage. I know I don't feel like you don't want to, them to see a, a bad side of you uh, or or a side of you that's struggling with your faith. But like, once again, it's like those it's like those couples that like don't ever fight in front of their kids. Don't do that. If you're going to fight, fight in front of your kids. You know, not like weird, crazy, violent fighting, but right, but like. That's your, how they learn how to fight as adults. That's right. Your kids yeah. better know that like marriage is not a cakewalk. They yeah. should know that you and your wife are going to disagree on some stuff and what it looks like to talk through it and and raise your voice a little and then make an apology and go I overreacted and I'm you know I'm sorry. It's okay for them to see that because you want them to see what a marriage actually is instead of getting married when they're 22 and going this marriage is hard and I had no idea. Like, this really sucks, <laughs> you know? Like, they got to know that you can work your way through that and what it looks like and, and your walk with Christ and your, your way of, of spreading the gospel to other people through families or situations or emergencies or whatever. Like, yeah, as much as you can let them be privy to all that, I would, I would encourage you to do it. All right, so real quick, um, and then we'll do some advice and, and be out of here. There was a, an article on the Christian Post that seemed to kind of relate to what we were talking about and it was an interview with someone from Youth for Christ, a uh, ministry director, who says how, this is how churches should reach out to the youth. So, like, I, I, I wonder if we should we are going to see themes here on churches encouraging the types of things that we saw in the in the article or in the infographic as part of how they're reaching out to youth, or whether they're trying different things. And frankly, I don't know what, whether that should change or not. And so. This person said, based on her experience growing up in a youth group and through what she has seen serving in youth ministry, Olson said she believes churches tend to oversimplify Sunday school lessons. A lot of the students don't know the basics of how to read the Bible or theology. I think a lot of times people will say, oh, that's too big for young students. But I find myself telling kids all the time, the Bible is made up of books, and in those books are the chapters, and not all of them are the same. Some of them are historical, some are poetry. I think because of the internet and their access to other people telling them what they should believe about the church, it's made them want real answers. But sometimes churches want to talk topically and share specific stories that they think would be enticing to youth instead of just being honest and talking about what they want to talk about. I, dude, I totally get this because there's a, I, I, there is a concern of mine that the, like s- doing certain things in the Bible just feel like they're boring for kids. And you're like, if it's not, if it's not, not, not like, hey, I want to keep them entertained, but you're like, boy, I just don't want them to walk away with, from Scripture with a belief that this is boring, simply because that's what we were talking about this week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I also think that what she said is, is relevant. In my experience, kids can handle way more than what you think. They can handle, I don't mean like deep and unnecessarily nerdy, I mean 
like the Bible is talking to a very holistic life and all kinds of situations and, and, and odd circumstances and imperfect people all over the place. And maybe you got to be sensitive with the words that you use, but like, I just, there's a lot of humanity going on in there and they're seeing it earlier and earlier ages and to not give it to them and allow them to see how God has used humans to progress goodness and rescue into the world, you know, and just, just to, to give them phrases and things like that, they, they won't, they won't hold up. Like they, they start, this is a, the, the more and more generations are earlier and earlier being very aware that they're being advertised to slogans are advertisements. They're not substantive and they know that. And so some of the things were like the whiz-bang words that we may have come up with that, that hit adults because they get all the context. Kids just look at it and go, you're trying to advertise to me. You're trying to pass off an idea to me. And so, you know, I, I get it. There's a notion of age appropriateness. I often have to change what words I use. Like I'll try to rephrase something. But for the most part, I, I've not run into a situation where I felt like the kids couldn't handle it. Or frankly, that whatever thing you've, you felt like you had to do to change it so that the kids could understand it in the words it used, that the adults probably needed to. Yeah. Like, they, they, they need to catch it at that level as well. Like I always just give me, can you boil it down for me so I know how to react to this? Because most of the time the adults are struggling enacting and trusting God with the simp- more simply defined things than they are like, oh, this was just so dense I can't possibly put it together. No, and here's the thing: is like whatever you're not willing to speak to, their friends certainly are. Their their friends are willing to speak to it, and so like you really don't want to have a hat in that ring at all. You don't want to put God's perspective out there to be for up for consideration. I think you should definitely talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she also said um, there are a lot of inaccurate preconceptions among many youth about the Christian faith. Now, from youth group work, Nathaniel, Mike, would you agree? Yeah, is that your experience? Yeah. Yeah, I would say the the I my, I have more unchurched folks than church folks in my youth youth group, and their opinions of both God and Christianity are largely based on a heavily uh, religious relative. Oh, that they don't see well. So we want to. Ooh, that's interesting because we tend to reach for the the bogeyman of it's the it's the culture, it's the video games, it's the social media, it's the other kids that are bad influences. But you're talking like Phariseeism. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the thing that makes the culture and uh, the internet and like all the other sources of information more palatable. Because like the hardest thing to do, even as adult, is to accept true things from a jerk. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so like, and a kid, he got no, they got no suffering for that. If as soon as a jerk says something, then it was a jerky thing to say, and it came from a jerk. And like that's all they need to know. But like as an adult, our job is to sift through. Even if a some kind of jerk says, "Hey, you need to do this," and you're like, "How dare you?" But that's actually true. Yeah. I do need to do that, <laughs> right? And so like taking taking true true things from someone who doesn't have God's heart when they say it, kids don't got no time to be parsing through that. They just assume that the heart belongs to the saying, and uh, God is not a God of love. He's a God of judgment. And penalty, and do as I say, or I will separate you from me. Right. So she also said, um, you also have a lot of people saying, here's why Christians are wrong. The Bible is wrong or contradicts itself. And so you see a YouTube video of a TikTok or someone ranting about, this is why I know. But very few people are going to follow up and look into that review or even just Google. Is this in the Bible? So it's easy to say you're going to make an effort to buy American products and just, well, no, that's something else. Never mind. Amid all the preconceived notions, also said, youth must be willing to explore what they heard or read online about Christianity instead of presuming it to be true. 
That can be pretty hard because when people hear something once, they like to believe that's the truth, she said. It's pretty hard to combat all the negativity that's out there on the Internet that kids see before they see anything encouraging or thought-provoking that would be a positive for the church. I think that actually is a, is a very interesting way to have phrased it and I think powerful to say that it should be thought-provoking. Because um, sometimes I think we almost get frustrated because we offer kids, especially kids who have not had experience in church, and we're like, hey, man, here's, here's the thing. Here's Jesus died for you, and you may you can live forever if you accept him into your heart, blah, blah, blah. And the kid's not, and the kid's not raising their hand. And you're like, well, why the heck not, man? Jesus said, yeah, so yeah. What, now what are you going to do? Listen to what I offered. And so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, but like, I, that's the thing is that, you know, we, we've, we've, we were sold on what we said because we already knew it all already. We had, like, years and years. I was just, I was thinking about it this the other day where a, a lot of the... Um, structure that I had had in my life 15 years ago I don't have anymore like I was there was some the 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 accountability meetings I have with guys look different I'm doing more of them but I'm doing them less often and the structure of my bible reading um, is more actually within my own family than it is with a with an outside group of fellows and there's a few other things that like I just don't do as much anymore um, or in the same way and it's fine, and everything's going just fine about it. But it wouldn't be had I not gone through that in the structured way 15 years ago. So, mm-hmm. like, the foundation that was laid in those means – actually, I thought the same thing. I went to go – subbed in for Mike at youth group once uh, recently. And, uh, and uh, Dan, I, I, I'm sure this is a relevant experience for you. Like, you've taught most of the Bible. And so right. <laughs> if someone shows up and goes, hey, we're, we're on, you know, Matthew 13, you just open it up, take a quick read, you're like, okay, okay, I got this. I can Do teach it. the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so, like, but that's not that way because I'm smart. It's that way because I read the Bible and we talked about it. And, like, we're in here every Monday night pulling stuff apart. And so that means that I can go into a youth group and not feel like I'm shortchanging the Lord's work by showing up and reading it and going, okay, I got it. I think I, I think but we can we can bring this thing home. And so um, I say all that to say that like oftentimes our what we're trying to get kids to believe and how we're trying to get them to believe it, we're totally sold on. We think we made a slam dunk case and like that is thought provoking. But like it wasn't to them. They don't have all that background and context and pulling apart and stuff. And so like you gotta you gotta be willing to meet them, you know, where they're at, but it's not dumb. It's it's not dumbing it down. It's not making it less than what it is. It's just ignoring your own context and going, look, if I were hearing this fresh, how would I hear it? What -hmm. questions do I have about it? And then knowing what you know that kids are having to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Like, I use, frankly, I use the word um, rescue a lot. Because I think think it's, like, God's rescue for the world, like, I think has a better, um, I think hits people better than salvation. Because, but most people don't walk around going, I need rescue, I need saved from this thing. Mm-hmm. I need to be saved. Like, I'm not drowning. But, like, the, the notion of rescue, someone where you need help and someone shows up with help, um, that, that hits differently. Now, the, the type of help is important and it is a life thing. And, like, we can, we can filter, we can get all that out. But, like, the, the word just hits different than salvation does. But, like, if you were to say rescue to me, or you know, but another person that's ten years older than me or twenty years older than me, they're like, "What are they? What are we talking about here?" You mean salvation? Oh, okay, yes, okay, good, and that hits right. Like you feel it because that's what you grew up, you know. Yeah. And so anyway, I, I just it, it's I think it's important um, to not presume that 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 younger folks are are arrogant, stubborn, or dumb because they're not picking up what you're laying down. 
Um, the, the scriptures are thought provoking. Uh, uh, Almighty God is thought provoking. Let's make sure you're not underselling the thing by you know just trying to to, to write around on your own words. Yeah, and I, here's the thing: is I don't know that it hurts um, for them. They, they need to find you legitimate. They need to find like um, I, I, some kid brought up to me a couple weeks ago. They're like, I was watching this YouTube clip about this guy that says the Hebrew actually says this and this and this. And I said, well, let's have a look at that Hebrew. And let's let's take a look and see what that Hebrew actually does say. Uh, and, and like, they're, one, uh, they know me more than they know the guy on YouTube. That's, that you have to do, right? They have to yeah. know you and know that they, like, you're the, it's, it's the consistency thing. It's like, if there's one thing that I think is a huge problem for our youth, it's consistency, right? Like, you draw the thinnest, blackest line that you can, and they always know that they can come back to it. And they're going to gray their way around it, and they're going to fuzz in and out of it. But, like, they will, they will know that that black line exists, and they can always come back to it. It's like a safety net for them, yeah. right? And so, like, if they know that they can trust you, and they know that you love them, and you have no motivation to lie to them about the, the Hebrew. That guy does. The guy on YouTube does because he wants you to do a thing or think a thing or join him in a thing, right? Right. But like, I don't want you to join me doing nothing. I want you to join Jesus. I know nothing but Christ crucified. This is what I know. Yeah. I got no life advice outside of it. And so like, they, they have to, I, and I, I think this is where the, the maybe they're going to get to it, but like the, the thing that, you, that I find to be most impactful is like, they have to know that they can trust you and that you're dependable and that you love them and you're involved in their life, right? You're not waiting for them to show up on Wednesday night, right? You knew they had a track meet on Friday and you checked in with their mama and say, how'd that track meet go? Ask, ask so-and-so how the track meet went. I just want to know, right? Let's say you don't have text messages with a 15-year-old kid, but you text their dad, go like, hey, man, uh, old Tom was telling me he's got a track meet today. Can you tell me how it turned out? Let him know that I was, uh, I was just interested, you know? And like, they have to know that you're invested in them, not in your youth group. You're not invested in like how many people are going to. It's just like church, right? Like, yeah. like, and it's and you're not you're not playing it. It's not a it's not a, a a numbers game for you. Like, it's a well, I met Tom and Tom told me a thing. I'm gonna check in with Tom, right? Because I do actually care about you, yeah. right? And then when you say the Hebrew doesn't actually mean that, and here's why, like it carries way more weight than this weird YouTube guy, you know, yep. who's obviously trying to pander to him. Yeah, right. And they do t- touch on this later on in the article. She says, that's why it's so important to reach youth as a trusted adult, as someone who can be their friend and care for them and love them. And that might be the first time they'll have an adult in their lives that they can trust and help them not only in their spiritual life, but in their ability to grow emotionally in general. Looking back, she thinks about how she ended up working in ministry with middle schoolers for Youth for Christ, and she feels that the vocation found her rather than she found it. Um, she also talked about how COVID hit and the outlets of which kids, like kids are spending more time online and they're taking in a bunch of different thoughts and they just don't, like without a trusted someone to help ask questions of the things that you're looking at or, or that you're, you're pondering about, then the YouTube guy becomes the authority because he's the only guy talking. And so like just your presence is super important, uh, accessibility, availability, um, and genuine care for the for kids, you know, it's and again, these kids are not dumb. Like they're 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 growing adults. Like everybody's moving up, and they're having to take on stuff earlier. And so this is not like that you're having to live their lives for them or stay on top of them. It's like if you are available and have an interest in helping them, I, they'll take advantage of it. Yeah, because they are curious. Well, and and that's the thing is like uh, they. They, they love honesty, just like everybody does. Everybody loves honesty. And so, like, if you're running up, it depends on what ages your youth groups are, right? But, like, especially if you're talking 14, 15 and up, right? Like, if the Bible's talking about sex, say sex, 
right? Like if they're talking, if a wiener came out because of Moses and they had to cut it off and touch the tip to the foot, I'd say so, right? Say it. Don't like dance around it and go, hey, we're going to skip that part, right? Like they will appreciate the fact that they don't believe that you're trying to hide something from them that they're not ready for. They already know. They're already way more involved. They've just got the wrong end of the stick on the thing already, and they've had it for two years. And so your unwillingness to talk about it in a frank, open, and honest manner, you're going to have to talk to some parents, and you're going to have to make sure it's legit. You say, look, when when sex comes up, I'm going to talk about it, and it's not going to be graphic or crude, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all kinds of things, and whatever God wants to talk about, that's what we're going to talk about. And so, like, I think sometimes we step away from that and we're like, that's a, a, a parent. Some parents go, well, that's my job to teach them. I'm like, your kid's 19. You ain't done it. What are you doing to him? <laughs> you're ruining your child. You're going to send him out there to land with slaughter, right? And like, they're, yeah, they're innocent as doves, but you forgot the shrewd snake part. Like, they don't know anything. And then they get out there, and then they're just taken over by random thoughts of a guy who's willing to smile and tell them they're great. And then all of a sudden, they believe this completely wrong thing because you didn't want to say the word penis in front of them. And that's what—that's where I—that's the part that makes me nervous is that there are as soon as you open the door that says, "Look, my parents hid things from me." Um, I, I think it runs the risk of you then going, "Well, what, what else? What else were they willing to not tell me the truth on because they think I couldn't handle it?" And you know, you know who's saying things that feel like super adult. And things you've never heard before in your life, that that weird kid on your on your dorm room floor, or that enticing person of the opposite gender. Like these people got all kinds of information. You're like, boy, the world is really opening up. And you know, I'd prefer that my kids be able to go. You know, look, I don't I don't know all these details of what you guys are talking about, but I I, I know enough. I've already seen some of this stuff, and like, no, I, I'll pass. Yeah, I, I'm not enticed by any of this. Uh, thumbs down. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and, and and like that just doesn't apply to the sex parts, right? But like, it's all the things that you want to. You want to move past. Like, I mean, there's uh, there, there's rape in the Bible. You're going to have to talk about it. Talk about it like it happened, and talk about it holistically, and talk about it well, and talk about God's heart on the whole thing and how he is disgusted and angry and would never want such a thing to happen. Like, you need to talk about it. And, st- and just, I mean, once again, I realize that, that like, you're gonna, kids are going to get to a sensitive age, and you're like, that's not the youth leader's business to tell my kids that I'll handle that. I got to be real honest with you. I feel like most people are abdicating that responsibility. You're not actually doing it, right? Otherwise, when I say wiener, I don't have a bunch of kids going, right? Like, uh, we should be able to have conversations about stuff like that and have it well because it's reinforcing the thing that you already told them. So your youth leader's not trying to force your hand here, but like, I mean, if your kid's getting 16, 17, and you're still skipping parts of the Bible you think are too sensitive for them, you got to knock that off. Yeah, I think there's a prudence thing on the ages, but I once you're in youth group territory, I you know. Right. I mean, if you start your youth group at 11, I mean, you should watch yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not full guns blazing here, but like honestly, uh if especially if they go to public school, even if they go to homeschool and they still get together with other homeschool kids, there's always one in the group. There's always one guy that are they're saying all kinds of stuff and trying to introduce them to things and like just address it. If I mean you're getting outgunned by another 11 year old who's got more stones than you do, or the seven year old in the metaverse, like I, yeah, I just parents, yeah. you got to be on this thing, yeah. you got to be on this thing, and like I, there's age appropriate ways to talk about stuff, but like I think not talking about it is to their detriment. Yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, let's do some advice and then we'll get, hop oh. on out of here. Yeah, here we go. Dear, whoa, dear life from the path. I once hosted a holiday dinner for which I had made a ham and a turkey with all the sides and three different pies. I even made a special mince pie for one of the guests. The guests, my brother-in-law, my brother and his family of four, and his mother-in-law, all showed up carrying empty Tupperware. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, 
All I had left was dirty dishes. The same family then invited me and my husband for a holiday dinner. My husband wasn't feeling well and couldn't go. When I asked my sister-in-law if I could take a plate home for him, she said, Nope. If he doesn't want to come to the house, he can't have any of the food. Yes, she was serious. My sister-in-law cooks the most. She, uh, cooks the meat she received as a gift from her employer, and the rest of the guests prepare the sides and desserts. I never go empty-handed. At the end of the meal, she transfers any leftovers to their own Tupperware and gives us back the cleaned bowls. If I ask for the little something to take home, she protects her leftovers like they were her children. What's your take on leftovers? Is asking for a little fruit salad off limits? Is relieving your host of the burden of storing all their leftovers out of line? Are there rules of etiquette here? Oh, boy. We're going to fail this one completely. This is not <laughs> the first time that we've had to talk about this leftover problem. Yeah. This, like, I, I just did not realize as a society that we're struggling with this. Uh, I'm trying to think of what people normally do. Like if I bring a sweet side, let's say I nailed it, and it was the hit of the holiday. People would be like, hey, that was delicious. And then my wife will reply, well, I can leave you a little bit. You want me to leave you some so you can have some a little later this week, right, and then we'll yeah. take the rest home. Yeah. Right? Like, it, once again, it's the, it's the addict uh, conundrum where they leave you with only one option. Either I get it all or you get it all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, can we split it? <laughs> or maybe you friendly? take some, and I'll take some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just not even being friendly to each other. Just Yeah. This doesn't sound like you actually have other people in mind. You're, you're looking. Etiquette takes the place of uh, otherwise good, kind-hearted people. Right, like I don't have to have a rule if I was going to do the right thing in the first place. True, and so like I'm only asking for etiquette because I want to be I want to be proved right. Where if I would say, "Hey, man, we bought like a ten pound turkey, and there's quite a bit of turkey left. I can only eat turkey sandwiches for so long. Anybody want to make up some baggies? I could send some baggies home with you." And people will say yes, and you make them up some little baggies, and you got yourself two days worth of turkey, and they got themselves one extra meal, and everything's solid. Yeah, if someone's going to presume upon your grace uh, of your leftovers at your house by bringing Tupperware, which is real weird. That is weird. That's real weird. Uh, I mean, you can half solve the problem by just giving it to them, and you invite them in and, and say, hey, I see you guys bought Tupperware. That's great, man. Take whatever you want. I'm glad to serve you. Now, I hate that because I hate to, I hate these people. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I hate their attitude. I, I hate really, the way they act. They're just wrong. <laughs> That's just wrong. But I'm saying, I'm saying there is. You can solve it that way if you can let it go. I don't know if I could let it go enough to not say anything. I might. I, I like. Here's the thing, though. If, if I've invited them over, this is their family, right, Mike? If you showed up to my house with Tupperware, I'd be like, dude, what you, what you got that Tupperware over here for? And what would you say? I was gonna take some leftovers. Yeah, I mean, don't you think that's a little presumptuous? I mean, I've been your brother for forty years. There's some pie left over. You ain't gonna eat no six slices, fatty. <laughs> Give me some. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You can have a bit. Were you planning on taking a whole pie? No, that's out of bounds. <laughs> okay then. I but, mean, that's the thing. It's like I, I think the normal etiquette is if you bring a pumpkin pie and people ate two of the pieces, then I mean, your plan is to take the pumpkin pie back home with you. Yeah. But you ask the host or anybody, I'm like, can I leave a slice or two? We don't need these four pieces at my place. You know, the whole point was to take it there for people to enjoy. If they'd eaten the whole pie, you wouldn't have gone. Well, doggone it. Shucks. I can't believe there's no pie. I'm super angry. You'd have been like, good. That's why I brought it. But now all of a sudden that it now exists, you're like, well, it's all mine now. And then you run away like Gollum. Right. These are not the occasions for ulterior motives. Right. Like you want to make a pie. You give a pie away. You you assume that it's going to be gone. The only reason you'd be upset is because you presumed 
that maybe it wouldn't all be gone and you might be able to take some. Like, make us take two pies. Don't even bring the second one. Eat it at home like a sluggard. I wouldn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter to yeah. you. I mean, that's just practical living. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, man, if they eat all this pie and I don't get any, I'm going to be upset. I should make two pies and keep one here. Yeah. I got all the stuff out already. I should just put two in the burner. Yeah, I just, I, I, I'm leaning heavy on how you react to it because I just don't know how much. The third person brings their own Tupperware, just waiting to snake all your all your eats after a meal. I'm just not sure they can be talked out of it. Yeah, unless you're willing to blow up the world on it. Nathaniel, do you take uh, leftovers from your holiday gatherings at your parents' house? No, my mom makes. I mean, just at any, it it doesn't. You've been over to her house. Yeah, she orders too much food. She makes too much food. There's too much food. And she and she gives it away freely. Absolutely. She says, "Take this. Take this. Take this." Like like she's trying to get rid of it, yeah. and I say, "Yes, ma'am, I will." Yes, I will take some. Yeah, Dan, when you're having the kids, grandkids over, you you say and take this stuff with you, man. Oh yeah, we're always sending stuff out. Yeah, we, we don't want to be stuck with it all. Your, See? Fa- your family stinks. Yeah, we don't need etiquette here. You just need better family. <laughs> yeah. Okay, secular says, if you would like the living, breathing definition of presumptuous guests and ungracious hosts, look no further than your in-laws' contact file. The fault, however, <laughs> may not lie solely with them. If this has happened more than once and you cannot summon the courage to tell these greedy folks to put away their Tupperware and help with the dishes, you can't blame them for assuming you don't mind being imposed upon in this way. As to the sister-in-law who refused to allow you to bring any of your food to your sick husband, I wouldn't blame you if you chose not to grace her table again after telling her the reason why. Boy, that is pretty harsh. And and not, here's the deal. Not only for that personal offense, but like in general, I don't know. Why do you want to hang out with these people? Yeah, true. They seem terrible. Yeah. Hey, yeah, your husband's sick. No way, man. If he didn't show up, he can't have any of the food. Like, what is this? The sizzler? <laughs> I'm out on this. It is, I guess I, it depends on where you're at with your, like, how long you've been married and if you got kids or whatever, you know. But, like, if it was just me and my wife uh, as, as just a, a single couple with no kids and she fell ill, uh, that would prevent us from going to a dinner, her to going to dinner at her mom and dad's house, I would graciously say, uh, we're going to stay home, like as a team. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would voyage out on my own to my in-law's house. I mean, I would now, like I've known him forever, but like, I, I just, it seems odd that like <laughs> your husband fell ill and it's his family and you're like, well, we're going. <laughs> you're here on your own. <laughs> yeah. And can I bring some food? And his brother's like, nah. Or his wife's brother. Yeah. She's an in-law too. Yeah. Yeah, your family's not fun because even if there was a rebuttal, I'd be like, "Look, man, I'm taking some meats for him. <laughs> That's what's happening right now." Yeah, your attitude's terrible. Okay, one more. Ready? Yeah, final. Dear life from the path. I'm an adopted 17 year old high school senior, and I live with four people who all have a disability. I want to move out when I'm 18 if I'm able to. Mm. I have several older brothers and sisters, but they each have a family to take care of. My oldest brother is in his 60s, and my youngest in his 40s. Yikes. Wow. I don't want to seem selfish for wanting to live independently, but I don't know how to tell them. I don't know how to tell them anything because in the past they haven't listened to me. If you have any advice on how to tell them, I would be very grateful. When he says tell them, is it the, the siblings or the parents? I think it's... Or the people with the disabilities? I live with four people who all have a disability. I'm assuming that the oldest brother in his 60s lives there and the one in the 40s lives there. Like the parents both have a disability... And the brother and the sister have a disability. Mm. So is the question, the, is, is it boiling down to, like, I, I don't want to be tied to this boat anchor. I want to go out and live a little bit of life. But these people still need taken care of. And I feel guilty for leaving. Right. Is it my responsibility yeah. to stay? Yeah. 
You can't stay forever. No. I mean, at some point you got to make that break. I'm assuming because they, uh, you were allowed to be adopted into this family that it's, uh, there's at least one or two people in the house that are not – it's not a mental disability, right? Like someone is able to think and process and whatever. And so if that's true, they probably should have seen this coming and, and made some preparation for the day when you would no longer be there. I mean unless they figured, hey, we adopted you into this family. You, you owe it to be here for us and, yeah. and love us the same way we loved you. I don't know. I don't know, Nathaniel. What does he say? It seems like it, the they they I don't know. They they don't want him to go. But you know, he's seventeen, gonna be eighteen. And if he's you know, gonna get out of there then there's not really like too much they can do, you know? Just say, Hey, I'm leaving. Uh I mean it will create But I'm not like you know, I'm I'll be around. Yeah. I mean it will create awkward feelings and people will be upset at them. Yeah, I mean, it puts him in a weird spot because, like, he he certainly get can go if he wants to, but like, he cares about the people that are around him, and so he doesn't want to feel like he's leaving him in the lurch. He it's he's a George Bailey. Yeah, but he didn't create the lurch. Yeah, I mean, how much responsibility can you take for the lurch? He sent Harry Bailey to college. Yeah, and he he's, he stayed home and ran the building alone. And he did say it's a wonderful life. <laughs> I mean, after he had all the heartbreak and trouble, that's how that's the, how God causes us to see it almost all the, the time. Law. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I think it's so. It's okay. There's not. Um, this is, goes back to a similar concept that we've talked about before, which is there's not only one answer. It's not only you have to stay or you get and uh, and take care of everybody or you get to go and don't have any contact. These aren't the only options. I think this is the right time to bring it up with them and say, look, here's where I'm planning. I'm planning to go to school. I'm planning to move out. I'm blah blah blah. Um, I wanted to give you a heads up now so that we can think through the best way to, to make sure everything is kind of taken care of around here when I'm gone because we got about six or eight months. Yeah. Like, that's totally fine. And part of the solution might be, hey, you're still going to swing over on Thursdays and, you know, eat the lasagna and sort the laundry. Yeah, maybe you can't go to school in Sacramento like you want. Maybe you got to go to Syracuse. Maybe you got to go close to closer to home to be able to make it back and forth. And, like, uh, I think that's unfortunate, but I don't know that it's actually taking a lot of joy out of your life. Like everybody has to make concessions and, and and decisions. Like you weren't born a unicorn with wings, and you can just do whatever sparkle thing comes to your mind, right? You do have outstanding circumstances, and they do get to affect the decisions that you make. Um, but I don't think, uh, as Ben said, like uh, there's not just one solution here, and so you don't just get to go. Oh well. Um, they need me or they don't want me to go, so I guess I'll stay. Now you're sacrificing your own life because some folks who should have well known better didn't plan to, to make any uh, thought on, on what you would do. They, it's a completely selfish mindset on theirs. It's like, you're going to yeah, stay, you're going right. to take care of me. And like That's that's not actually a, a loving relationship, right? Like The person in the house would go, I'm so sorry that this burden is placed on you. Um, do 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 what you need to do, you know, and we we'll figure this out. Yeah, it's hard to think of someone like with a disability taking advantage of someone else, but like totally possible. Yeah, it totally can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Secular says, "I wish you had mentioned when you will be turning eighteen, because at that point you will be legally entitled to live wherever you wish, and your parents and siblings will have to quotes listen to you." <clears throat> Because you are determined to move, it is crucial that you start preparing now. You will need to find a job so you can afford a security deposit and pay for rent, food, etc. You may also have to find roommates and you can afford a place that is all your own. Okay. A counselor at school may be able to guide you, particularly if you plan to continue your education. This was not his problem. How do I do basic things in life? Yeah. 
No, we're talking about leaving a family of disabled people. Jeez. Yeah, you, I think you totally missed the heart of the question. Or we did, I guess. But uh, I, I find that unlikely. Yeah, dear life from the path, I don't have any idea how to move out. What are my next steps? Yeah, yeah. Put butt on porch. Yeah. Walk. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Live from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. I don't, I don't know about uh, the rest of the fellas in here. I'm about, I'm about dying, tired. From Is it because it's hot? It's, well, it's toasty in here. I got drained playing the VR. I'm telling you. That seven-year-old really brought me to some stark realities that I didn't see coming. That one kid, I didn't talk to very many people, but that one kid comes in and said, I was looking for a pencil because I want to draw a, a penis on my dad. And I thought, I don't, I don't even have the wits to sort out what this kid is talking about. One, like, is this like a virtual pencil? Yeah, yeah. And is it a virtual dad? You can do a 3D drawing in there. I, I, was, I was using one. You drew a you I, drew I did a not draw member? any body parts, though. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I didn't. I didn't know. I proposed, and he said his dad was going to beat him. And again, it's not clear to me: is this a virtual beating? See, here's the thing: it's once again, it's the metaverse. Like no seven year old would ever say this to you. So then, when you're faced with this stark reality, where a seven year old kid says, "Can I borrow a pencil? I want to draw a penis on my dad's face," you're like, "I don't even know how to begin to address yeah. all the things that were just said right here." Yeah. Like okay, I mean, where's your dad at? Let me speak. Let me talk to him. Yeah, and then I'll come in. It probably. I mean, maybe he's got a. Maybe he's got freckles or whatever. If you did a connect the dot, it just comes out to be a wiener. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't know what to do if I walked in. I saw him, and he had a Johnny come lately. <laughs> typed all over his face. <laughs> Be like, I don't. I guess your kid got here before I did. Anyway, I don't know. I can't sort it out. Dan's, Dan's gonna have to put this. There's benefits in. to yeah. having a, a a society that has mores and 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 ways and means. That people would feel uncomfortable saying crap like that out in public. And I don't know that it's completely healthy to get rid of all those fences so a guy feels like he can, his opening gambit to someone he's never been is, can I borrow a pencil and draw a wiener? <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. That's yeah. that's true. Like the society, like crowds do drive mores a bit. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's something very uncrowdable within the metaverse because, uh, you know, there's just tons of space and people just don't feel the same constraint. Yeah, so you see the guy with the with the, the, the metal T-shirt going, Anarchy! That's what it's like, dude. Get on the metaverse. It's a kid wanting to draw wieners, <laughs> right? That's that's what's happening. And so, like, I, I don't know what you think anarchy actually looks like, but it's actually very childish. I mean, there's 15, 16, 25-year-old kids in there just walking up, bebopping around saying, hey, blah, 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 and something stupid. And you're like, this is what you did with your freedom? You got to lose all, you got anonymity, and you can do whatever you want. And they go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I had I had a very large rooster offer to uh, insert particular body parts. No. And, yeah, and I was just like, no, I'm, I don't think I'm really interested. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so one kid was like, hey, can I touch your head? I mean, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Why? Does it feel better? <laughs> Okay, st- uh, yeah. Here's what I'm gonna recommend: you stay out of that metaverse till Dan's got it sorted out. Till Dan's got the the. So you turn on the light in there. Yeah, the holiness shows up. Hey, uh, thanks for hanging out with us this week. We really do appreciate it. You can give us a call on the live from the path Bob Eisenlauer complaint line. That's five one five five one seven zero zero eight five five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. That's call or text. We'd love to hear from you on the uh, Life from the Path complaint line. And it's primarily designed for complaints because we assume that's what you would be doing. But maybe you love the show and different parts of it, and you need to talk to somebody about that because your life's going poorly. Uh, you can call that line, too, and we, we'll be here for you, and we'll do the best you can. Nathaniel's an excellent counselor, especially late at night. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll draft you over his way, and, and he can help you out. And uh, I think that's all we got for this week. So in the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.